He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He's a lot of things to us, and we need to teach about the Holy Spirit because in a lot of churches, the Holy Spirit is an it, not a he. And, and he's just an impersonal force out there, you know, kind of, you know, we were joking about uh, Harlan and I, Harlan was talking about the force is with me, the force of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. And, and, and he is a force, but he's also a person, amen? amen? And we need to really honor him, and we need to recognize uh, what he does in our lives. And so I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles today, and we're going to talk about uh, the bearing of God's fruit or bearing the fruit of the Spirit today. The fruit of the Spirit is a very powerful thing that we all need to tap into. And you can be a Christian and not be experiencing the fruit if you're not, if you're not cognizant and understanding how that we harvest that fruit in our lives. And so I want to begin today by just starting out with a little story about myself, how in my experience with the Lord, I was raised in a godly uh, family in many ways. We weren't born again yet, but we had a sense of godliness and godly and, you know, take that in a qualified uh, way, godly in that we went to church every Sunday, uh, we prayed every night. During Lent, we, you know, we altered our eating and, and prayed every night together and said our prayers, and, and we did a lot of things thinking you know, that we need to be saved. We would go to communion, we'd go to confession, we'd do all the things because our family really wanted to be right with God. My parents were very devout, they were very disciplined, they were very good people, very high integrity, high moral standard and character. Uh, in my parents. Now, they had some, some areas in their life that certainly weren't good, and they needed to be born again because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I, w- I was raised in a household and uh, didn't really know God, but knew of God, knew it was right to serve and worship God. And so I went off to college, and uh, really, sports was my idol, and I was, uh, excelled greatly in sports, and, and it was you know something that I loved, and uh, went on to a D2 school to wrestle, and uh, ended up getting hurt and then becoming very uh, depressed. You know, when, when God tears down your idol, you get unhappy about it uh, when you're a lost person. And so I was depressed, and I can remember uh, going to Northeast Missouri State and starting out on the wrestling team. Probably would have uh, been on varsity my, my freshman year and was really excited about that, got hurt, and my knee got, kind of got messed up. Then my ankle got messed up, and then I was on crutches for almost the entire semester. And I would get healed up, and about the first night back in practice, I would be back on crutches again. And so I really started realizing, this is really, this is really a bad deal. I don't think I'm going to be able to continue. I can remember that depression. I can remember moving uh, to northeast Missouri, where I, I mean, from northeast Missouri to the University of Northern Iowa, where my friends were. And I went up there and just kind of got really depressed. And you know the rest of the story, how one weekend I was home, and I was with uh, my parents, and I was sharing with my mom, who had just been born again, watching Billy Graham a few weeks before. My sister, who is in a pre-medical uh, path in, in grad school at University of Iowa, uh, just had gotten born again recently. Had, Jesus appeared to her. She had a tremendously supernatural experience. And uh, they were praying, and I talked to my mom. She said, well, tonight, when you go back to school, Sunday night, she said, something's going to happen. That night, two guys came to the door. They knocked. We opened the door. I was there with my backslidden Methodist, spirit-filled backslidden Methodist buddy that I grew up with, been to school uh, ever since kindergarten. And they came in, and they talked to me about being born again. And they shared the gospel, and I got saved, and my life changed. I had an inward witness that something had changed that now I had a desire for righteousness, and I knew that I was... Because all those years, I never knew if I was saved. I never knew if I'd go to heaven. I never knew. And John, the book of John, 1 John, says that you have the witness within you when you're born again. And I had the witness. I knew that I was saved. I knew that night something changed forever. And thank God, you know, we, we have to be born again. And that's the first, the first experience that you have with the Spirit... And I'm going to talk about it. Number one, we have to be born of the Spirit. Number two, we need to be baptized in the Spirit. And number three, we need to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And those are three things in a Christian's life, three major pillars that you need to understand, be able to comprehend and communicate to others that, you, uh, that are foundational to being a Christian. You must be born of the Spirit. Turn with me to John, the third chapter. Nicodemus came by night to visit Jesus. 
And the Bible tells me that they had a conversation. Now, here's a man who would be equivalent to a PhD from Harvard Divinity School. He was the honcho of honchos. He was a, uh, you know, a Sadducee. And he was, I mean, a Pharisee. He was of the sect of the Pharisee. He was an accomplice to the nth degree, the ultimate plateau of his, uh, you know, discipline of study and his occupational uh, professionalism. So here's this guy, and he comes. And it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And we're going to begin in verse 1. I'm sorry, John 3, 1. I'm sorry, I said 6, but we'll start in 1. And the same came to Jesus by night, and he said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles uh, that thou doest except God be with him. Now, this guy's all Mr. Academia, and Jesus is all about the Spirit of God and demonstrating miracles and supernatural things. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We all know that verse of Scripture. That's almost right up there with John 3.16. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? And can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the except a man be born of water, that's just natural, you know. That's the womb, a baby's born in water, the mother's water breaks, and you have a natural, physical, biological birth. And of the Spirit. So when he said, you must accept a man be born of water, that's just natural birth. And of the Spirit, that's a spiritual birth, that's being born again. And it says... And of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. He's reiterating it, a typical Jewish way to emphasize a point. Flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born in your spirit or you cannot go to heaven. You cannot be uh, saved until you're born again spiritually. That's not just a new mindset. That is a supernatural event that takes place in your spirit being. You are a spirit. You live in a body and you have a mind, which is a part of your soul, or you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions. And Jesus said you had to be born of the spirit. Now, another place it says we have to be born of the word. It says in 1 Peter 1 and 23, we won't go there for the sake of time. Peter says this, being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed, even as the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we're born of the spirit, and we're born of the word. Those two always work together in tandem. In the book of Genesis, it says in the beginning, the spirit was hovering over uh, the, the, uh, you know, that which was chaotic. And let's, let's just go there. I'm going to turn there, and I'm going to read it quickly, because this is really important that we understand this uh, very supernatural dynamic. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, everybody say the Spirit of God. You ought to underline that in Genesis 1-2. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. No man can come to the Father except he be drawn by the Spirit. And God said, everybody say said. That means this is the Word of God. And God said, let there be light, and light was. And God saw, God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. In any type of creative act, I don't care what it is, it takes the Spirit of God and the, work, and the Word of God working in conjunction. Always the Spirit of God and the Word of God work together. Being born again takes being born of the Spirit, and it takes being born again not of corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed, even as the Word of God. Anything that happens, and if you need a creative miracle in your thinking, in your emotions... In your life, it always is going to take the Spirit of God and the Word of God working together. So in the beginning, we have this, this powerful thing. And Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. See, you can't separate the Word of God from the Spirit of God. Jesus said his words are spirit and life. You can't separate those things. And so there is a supernatural uh, power of the Spirit. And when you're born again, that's on the inside of you. There's an inward witness. And we can see that uh, that being born again is the Spirit. It says in John uh, 14 and 17, the Spirit is with you and he shall be in you. So something supernatural takes place on the inside when we're born again. In Hebrews, it says, 
that he will write his word, the spirit will be in you, and then his word will be in you because he says he will write his laws upon your hearts and your minds. So being born again puts the spirit inside of us. It puts the word of God inside of us. It's a new birth. It says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You literally have a transformation in your spirit. Man, that's very supernatural. Well, I had that. But after that experience of being born again, I went on, and I still had the depression. I knew I was saved. I had a certain peace, but I also had a certain depression and unhappiness. And I can remember going to a meeting, and my sisters went forward. My mom went forward. It was a Jimmy Swaggart meeting before he got into all the mess that he got into. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues. We came home from that meeting that night. I did not receive that. And they said, would you like to receive what we received? Now, I was depressed. I'd been saved in the dorm several months earlier. My mom was saved. My sisters had gotten saved. All nine of us got saved in about six months. It was really awesome. You know, if you'll just get saved and pray in tongues and do what the Word says, your whole family will get saved. It may take some time. It may take some doing, but God will show you some things, what to do and how to do it. And so they came into my room that night. They prayed for me. They laid hands on me. And I started praying in tongues, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I experienced joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that witness went beyond in my heart, and I felt it in my soulish man. You know, when you get filled with the Spirit, the Spirit goes beyond your heart, and you begin to be filled, and the Spirit even comes upon you, just like a glass of water you pour in, and you overflow that water. The water starts out in the glass, it fills the glass, and it gets upon the glass. In, filled, and upon. Everybody say that with me. In, filled, and upon. It all goes together with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that went from being in my spirit to filled up into my consciousness of my soulish realm, my mind, will, and emotions. It moved north about 16 inches. It went from my heart to my head. It went from my spirit intuition to my feelings, my mind, my will, and my emotions, and suddenly I had joy, I had peace, I felt the love of God, and everything began to change at that point, and I was never the same. And then it even went beyond from my heart being born again to my being baptized and the Holy Spirit coming upon me. The Bible says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I had power to be happy. And then in the inward witness. And then I had an outward witness. And it says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall uh, be my witnesses. And I can remember getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden the word came alive. All of a sudden I started getting revelation of God's word. All of a sudden I found myself talking to everybody about God's word. All of a sudden I found myself uh, seeing people get saved around me and asking. All of a sudden I saw supernatural signs and miracles. Supernatural things begin to happen. And it was very, very powerful. And you see, when I experienced that in my soul, that was the fruit of the Spirit. See, I went from being born again to suddenly being happy and filled with joy, love, joy, peace. That's how the list of the fruit of the Spirit starts out. I experienced God's love. I experienced God's joy and peace. Wow. And then I experienced being a witness from being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I saw people get saved. I saw the ability uh, to pray for people and supernatural things begin to happen. Now that's as the Spirit. Well, we can't always control that and sometimes that's hindered by people's lack of faith. But I was born again. I got baptized in the Spirit and I started experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to go beyond just your heart. He wants to get up into your head, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then he wants to go beyond that to other people and have rivers of living water flowing out of your belly and touching others. Just like when Jesus, the woman touched the hem of his garment and power, it says, flowed out of him into her. How many of you know that's where God wants us to ultimately end up? To be a blessing to others. It isn't just about us. But I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about us 
receiving the promise of God. Turn with me to Acts, the first chapter, verses 1 and 4. So we're going we're gonna to talk just a little bit about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I like to just review some of these things and make them real clear and understandable, hopefully. And so that second experience that I had, and these are all Holy Spirit, everybody say Holy Spirit experiences. The first one is being born of the Spirit, where you become a new creation on the inside. The second one is being baptized in the Spirit. You know the word baptisma, which is the Greek word for baptize, means a log. This is the etymological origin. It means a log being in the water and becoming so saturated that it goes down into the water and it sinks. And so now it's filled with water because the very fibers of the wood is saturated with water and that makes it sink. And so now it's not only you know, water uh, filled, but water is upon the log because the log is sunk. And now it's completely engulfed and it's covered with the water. God wants us to not just have the Holy Spirit on the inside, but he wants it flowing us, uh, out of us on the outside. And that's what baptized in the Holy Spirit actually means. And so I'm going to turn to Acts, the first chapter, and uh, it talks about how Jesus made a promise to us and that we are to receive uh, the promise of the Father, which is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know when you have a promise, it's a promise of God's word? You know, every promise in the book is mine. Every uh, jot, every tittle, every line, one, one old song said. And it says this, and we're in Acts 1 and 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart out of Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. That's the day of Pentecost. Wait for the promise of the Father. You know, if, if God gives you a promise, is that the word of God? Now, don't all, all respond at once. If God, if God said, I promise you to have the Holy Spirit, is that God's word speaking? That, that, so that's the word of God. And where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if you have a promise from God, then you have the word of God. If you have the word of God, it causes the faith of God to rise up in you. So this is why he calls the Holy Spirit the promise, because he wants it to be a promise in his word, a promise of his word, that you will receive the Holy Spirit. And so he calls it the promise of the Father. And what is the promise of the Father? He says, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, you've heard of me. And I, was, I talked about this before, guys. Now, we know they received the Holy Spirit back there in John, because you just go back to John in the 20th chapter, in verse 22, and it says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. See, they had received the Holy Ghost on the inside to be born again. Because that happened in John. That was before the day of Pentecost. That's before he gave them the promise. That's before they waited 40 days in the upper room. They already had the Holy Spirit on the inside. But then we see the Holy Spirit is promised in a promissory note to them that they will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's different than the indwelling. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. That's that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And so we can see that Jesus promises them this thing. Then in verse 8 it says, but you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Everybody say upon you. See, Jesus had the Holy Spirit upon him. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. It says in Luke 3.22 that the Spirit descended upon him even as in the form of a dove. So Jesus didn't need to be born again. Jesus didn't have to have the Holy Spirit come in and recreate his fallen human spirit because he didn't have a fallen human spirit. He had a holy spirit that had never sinned and did not need to be born again. That's why the Holy Spirit, it, doesn't say ever, it never says that the Holy Spirit came into Jesus. It only says that he came upon Jesus for, to be anointed. And see, that's because Jesus never sinned. Jesus didn't need to be born again. Jesus didn't need the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of him and recreate his human spirit to be born again. Is everybody following me this morning? And so this is different than the Holy Spirit coming within you. And in Acts 8, it talks about how they went, and after they had gotten people saved, they asked if they'd received the Holy Spirit yet, and they said, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And then they got them baptized with the Holy Spirit in Acts 8 chapter. But so here we have this promise that they will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that, that's, that's really a powerful thing. And the purpose of that is you shall receive power. 
that you might be my witnesses. We talked about that Wednesday night. How many want to be a witness for the Lord? See, how are we going to witness to the supernatural ability of power to save? And, you know, Romans 1.16 says, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. How many think the gospel of Christ is a doctrine? Well, it's a doctrine. That's true. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And we could go around and say, well, the gospel is Christ, that he died on the cross, was buried and rose again, uh, took away our sins and paid the punishment. And, that, and you can talk about the doctrine of Christ. You can talk about the doctrine of salvation. How many of you know that doesn't mean anybody's going to get saved? How many of you know that doesn't mean anybody's going to get healed? That it doesn't mean anybody's going to be delivered? And having your sins forgiven is a supernatural thing. Being born again is a supernatural thing. But... Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. You see, we have to have a witness to the power. You know, if somebody just says, well, yeah, the gospel, and I preach the gospel, there's power. Okay? How are you going to prove that? Well, you've got to have a witness. If you're in a court of law and somebody says, yeah, this is the man uh, that committed the crime against this man. How are you going to prove that? You're going to have to have a witness. How are you going to prove that I'm not ashamed of this gospel of Christ thing? For it is the power of God unto salvation. Well, my salvation looks like this. I need to get out of debt as well as have my sins forgiven. Well, my salvation looks like this. I need to be healed of cancer as well as being forgiven of my sins. Well, my salvation looks like this. I need to be delivered from this deep depression or these demonic spirits uh, as well as having my sins. You know, I need some power. And because if I can see that God can heal me, deliver me, get me out of this terrible indebtedness, then I can believe the part that I can't see, that he can come into my heart and change it and make me born again. How many of you know there needs to be a witness to the power of God? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation. You know, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and the Holy Spirit uh, being baptized is the doorway for all the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit opens the door for the gifts of the Spirit. You know, there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. And nine of those gifts are broken up into three things. The power to know. There's three gifts that cause you to know something supernatural. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The word of knowledge is something that you learn presently by the Holy Spirit he shows you. He could say, you know, there's a guy uh, standing outdoors uh, with a gun and uh, save from people getting harmed because you know something that's in the present tense. Or the Holy Spirit could tell you, tomorrow there's somebody going to come and knock on the door you need to be there because they want to give a gift of $1,000. That's something that's going to happen. Discerning of spirits causes you to be able to understand what is of the devil, what is of the angelic realm, what is of the human realm, and what is God. You know, there's several places where it says Jesus knew the hearts of the Pharisees and the people that were plotting against him. That's discerning of spirits. So there's nine gifts, and some empower you to know something. Some empower you to say something. The gift of tongues, which can be a prayer. It can be a sign to the unbeliever, and it can be an edification to the church, a message to the church. Three different ways that tongues works. Tongues an interpretation means when it's given and we don't know what's being said, God can interpret and make it a message for us to understand. So there's tongues, there's different. Then there's prophecy, which is speaking the mind of God to you, speaking the will of God to you, and speaking forth things that you may need to know. So the Holy Spirit can empower us to say things. I can remember when my brother and sister and I shared this Wednesday night. My sister came home one day all excited, and right before that I'd been praying, and the Lord said, uh, your, uh, Ron is going to propose to your sister today and he's going to ask her to marry him and they're going to decide to get married in September. Well, she came in the door all happy and she says, guess what happened? I go, I know what happened. Ron just proposed to you today and you decided to get married in September. She goes, oh my gosh, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. How many of you know that's a word of knowledge? God wants us to have supernatural signs and wonders following us. There's a power to say things. There's a power to do things. The gift of faith where, you know, Jesus just would say something, that's doing something, like get up and be healed. And instantly people would get up and be healed. Jesus sometimes would do something. You know, he might rub mud in a guy's eye and he'd get healed. How many of that's the working of miracles? 
There's another gift of the Holy Spirit, and another one of the gifts, and it's the gift and, uh, of uh, healing and the working of miracles and the gift of faith, but the gift of healing also works where they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So God has these nine gifts for other people to have a witness that God is really supernatural. God can really save us, not just a theory and a doctrine and some legal you know, position, but God wants to not just take away our sins. But how many of you know God wants to do more than that? Amen. And so the gifts of the Spirit reveal an outward witness to people that God wants to do things. Now, I want to talk, you know, it says in Mark 16, 15. Everybody turn to Mark 16. This is, very, this is a very powerful portion of Scripture. I like this verse. Mark 16 talks about going to all the world. And he said, and I'm going to all the world, preach the gospel, every creature, he that believes and baptized shall be saved, he that believes not shall be damned. And it goes on and says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. It talks about casting out devils. It talks about uh, if you accidentally drink poison. It talks about if you accidentally get bit by a snake. It talks about being healed and, and all these things. And verse 20, it says, and they went forth and they preached everywhere and the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following how many of you know God wants signs to follow us? Amen. Sure is getting quiet in here. Why? He wants signs to be a witness that he is the one who can forgive our sins. He said in one place where a man, they lowered through the roof. Two men lowered this man who was on a pallet and could not walk. And he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. And of course, all the Pharisees go, What? Blasphemy, how dare you say that? Only God can forgive sins. And he says, so that you might know that I have not only the power to forgive sins, but I've also got the power to heal. I command you in the name of Jesus to rise up and walk so that you will know that not only can I forgive sin, but I can also heal. Because in the, all throughout the Old Testament, healing and forgiveness often went together. And, of course, he got up and he was healed, and he said that you might know that your sins are forgiven. And so that was a sign. How many of you know sometimes lost people need a sign? I'm going to read a scripture to you out of Matthew. This, this is a, a powerful verse of scripture over in Matthew that a lot of times we, we don't think of it like this. You know, some people say, well, you know, we, don't, we don't seek uh, you know, a miracle but the one who gives the miracles, and that's true, and, and I believe that. And, uh, but it says, it's in Matthew, maybe it's in Mark, but it talks about how um, except they see the signs and wonders, they will not believe. And I believe this, that God wants us to be able to see signs and wonders as well. I'm not going to turn to that for sake of time. Let's go on and let's talk about bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Now, this is the part uh, that if you haven't got anything up to this point, this is where I really want to talk about today, the fruit of the Spirit. So we have being born again and being birthed by the Spirit, being born of the Spirit, where the Word comes in and the Spirit comes in and you have a new creation inside you. Then we have this thing called the baptism of the Spirit, where now you get filled with the Spirit and it goes beyond your heart and it gets up in your mind and your will and your emotions. It gets in your outward expression and it becomes supernatural. Your thinking becomes more supernatural and anointed by the Spirit. Your acting does, your faith and begins to be a witness outwardly to other people. Many people never get past the being born again. They never get past that and go on to the next level where the Holy Spirit fills them and then baptizes them, and then they become an outward witness. They just try to do witnessing, but they never really are a witness to the power of God. And we need to be a witness to the power of God. Can I get an amen? Paul said, I did not come unto you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with power and demonstration of the Spirit that your faith should not rest upon the wisdom of men, but should rest in the power of God. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God that saves you, not a doctrine, not a mental adjustment, not just a way of thinking. Now, a way of thinking opens the door for you to think right, believe right, and receive right. That's why you have to change your thinking, because you have to think right 
to believe right and receive right. And so it makes an adjustment in your mind, but that isn't what saves you. What saves you is when you believe right and you give your heart to the Lord and you submit and make him Lord, then he comes in and you are born again. You're a new creature. See, if we just got forgiven, we'd still be evil. But we need to be changed on the inside and be made righteous and holy on the inside. Can I get an amen? Now, we have a mind that tends to be, wants to be evil. We've got a flesh that wants to be evil. We've got to put our flesh under. We've got to renew our mind. And we've got to look to our spirit because that's the only part of us that's born again. That's the only part of us that it says in Ephesians is true righteousness and holiness, where it's a new creation and old things are passed away. So we've got to understand uh, that when we're born again, then that changes and that part of us that's righteous and holy, our spirit. It says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. How many of you know that your spirit and the Holy Spirit become Siamese twins? That's what it says. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He whose spirit is joined to the Lord, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Everybody say, one spirit with the Lord. See, the Holy Spirit indwells our spirit, man. You can't quantitatively delineate where he begins and you start, or where he ends and you start, where you end and he starts, you become one. It's like water being mixed with grape juice. The water just becomes purple and you become one. It changes you. You take on a new nature. You become a new creation. That Holy Spirit that comes into your spirit, man, it becomes one. And you have this supernatural thing. So now... We talked about being born again, this new creation on the inside. Your spirit is born. And then you are baptized in the spirit. Your soul and your outward witness starts being permeated by the Holy Spirit. And the presence of the Holy Spirit rests upon you. And you start having outward expression of that power that lives inside your spirit. And that's the baptism of the spirit. But then the fruit of the spirit begins to happen. Because when I got baptized in the Spirit, something changed on the inside of me. And bearing fruit is very important. It's the second result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians, the fifth chapter. And we're going to look at some things there that your spirit and your flesh and what it wants to do are very different things. Paul said, the thing that I don't want to do, I do. And the thing that I do want to do, I don't do. And I have this struggle within me. And I see one law uh, that's in uh, the members of my body. But I see another law after the inward man. And it's a law after the law of God. In the law that's in my flesh, there's no good thing in my flesh. But in my spirit, there's this law. See, the law of God is written on our hearts. When you're born again, your spirit becomes righteous. When you're born again, you start having this conflict between your spirit man and your mind. And you've got to start renewing your mind and make it think right. So it can get into agreement with your spirit and conquer your flesh. You're, you know, you're, your mind should be a servant to your spirit. But your flesh should be an absolute slave to your mind. You've got to bring that thing under. But it all starts with your spirit being born again and having the power of the Holy Spirit to conquer the realm of your mind and your will and your emotions. And so that has to begin to happen. Because I'll tell you what, there's some ugly things in our flesh. There's some things in your flesh. How many of you know that in your flesh, every single person in this room is capable of murder? Oh, well, not me, Pastor. But I would Given the right set of circumstances, somebody comes in and kills all your babies, and you, and you, you, you temporarily lose your mind, and, and some horrific, terrible, monstrous thing like that happens, you don't know how you would respond. You see, that in our flesh, if we would respond according to our flesh, there's no telling what we might do. And it says this in Galatians, and you can turn there, Galatians 5 and 16. It says, this I say, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you live out of your spirit, man, that born again part of you, that part that's been recreated in true righteousness and holiness, that part of you that old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. If you walk according to that part of your trichotomy, that part of your triune being, that part that's spirit, soul, and body, and you walk after that spirit part of you, it says you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Because your flesh is still wicked, but your spirit is born again. And your mind is trying to decide which way it wants to go. And hopefully you better get your mind siding with your spirit because it's righteous. 
You better get your mind being renewed and influenced by your spirit because that's the part of you that's righteous. But many people are carnally minded. The Bible says in Romans to be spiritually minded is life and peace, but to be carnally minded is death. And some people, they're born again and their spirit man suffers because they always give way to their flesh. And their flesh begins to rule over their spirit. It begins to suppress their spirit. It begins to not let the spirit have any say. And it begins to rule and the mind begins to side with the flesh. And the mind is in the middle. He's got this righteous spirit here. It's got this unrighteous flesh here. And the mind is either going to side and begin to be controlled by just, you know, the knowledge and, and the feelings of the flesh, the five senses of the flesh, or it's going to be ruled and influenced by the revelation that comes from the spirit because the Holy Spirit is in union with your spirit and gives you revelation through your spirit, man. There's two types of knowledge, revealed knowledge which is the Holy Spirit inside you reveals things to your spirit man and your mind. And then there's carnal natural knowledge, which is sense perceived. It's through the eyes, it's through the touch, it's through the taste, it's through feeling. And that's how your body operates. And it gives you carnal knowledge. But to be a Christian, you're going to have to operate through revealed knowledge. Somebody say amen. Does anybody get anything out of this this morning? So as we look at that, we realize that that's what it means to be baptized in the Spirit and living in the Spirit. And Galatians talks about these things, and it says, Now, this I say, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You don't want those lusts of the flesh. They're ugly. They're terrible. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. And see, and the mind is in the middle of that fight, so that you cannot do the things that you would do. If you mind the things of your flesh you'll not be able to do the things that you want to do from your heart. But if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery. And all you got to do is look at a woman and think wrong is adultery. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders. Jesus said, if you hate a man, you're a murderer. Envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you've got a lifestyle of this, then you're probably deceived about being saved but then he goes on he says but the fruit of the spirit are love joy and peace long-suffering gentleness goodness meekness temperance or you could say self-control see these things there's also like the witness outward witness of the nine gifts of the holy spirit that you know reveals things supernaturally causes you to say things supernaturally prophecy causes you to do things supernaturally lay hands on the sick but in these three categories, there's three categories of three as well. There's nine fruit of the Spirit, just like there's nine gifts of the Spirit. And there's three that cause you to experience or receive or feel something from God. Love, joy, and peace. Love unconditional, joy unspeakable, and peace that passes all understanding. When I got born again, I knew I was saved, but when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I felt love unconditional from God. I felt joy unspeakable from God. I felt peace that passes all understanding from God. So the first three fruits of the Spirit are about things that you, it, the Holy Spirit causes you to experience, to receive, to have a felt need to feel, to have an assurance from God that causes you to feel a certain way. And we don't live by feelings, but how many of you know some feelings uh, are nice to have? And then the other three, there's three more that cause you to express something to others. Gentleness, goodness, and faithfulness. It, it says faith, but in the Greek it means faithfulness. You can be faithful towards God, but we can also be faithful to each other by coming to church and serving and giving. So there's a faithfulness. It's three things that causes you to express to others. Instead of you're not harsh, you're not ugly, you're gentle towards other people. You're not mean, you're not bad, but you're good and you do the right thing that you should be doing to other people. And then lastly, you're faithful. You don't bail out. You don't cave in. You don't show unfaithfulness. 
So the second group of three fruits of the Spirit are not just things that you feel, but things that you express to others to make them feel the goodness and the love of God. Those are the next three fruits of the Spirit. Then there's the last three fruits of the Spirit that causes us to restrain ourselves, causes us to put our flesh under, and that's long-suffering or patience. How many of you have ever been around an impatient person? Amen. How many of you, and the next one is temperance, which means self-control. I like being around self-controlled people. I don't like people that have no control over their mouth, no control over their emotions, no control over their life. So these last three, and then meekness, which is strength, restraint. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength, restraint. So there's three that cause us to experience the goodness of God, the love, joy, and peace. There's three that cause us to express something to others, gentleness, goodness, and faithfulness towards others. And then there's three that we impose upon ourselves, and we bring ourselves under control, long-suffering or patience, temperance, self-control, meekness, which is strength restrained. These are the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that when the Holy Spirit fills us after we're born again, and the Holy Spirit's in our spirit, and it fills us, and it begins to affect our mind, will, and emotions. It begins to affect how we feel, how we act, how we bring ourselves under control. Three major categories of the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you want to have those feelings of love, joy, and peace today? How many of you want to be able to control, I mean, good to other people and show gentleness and goodness and faithfulness to other people in God? How many of you want to be able to have patience and self-control and strength restrained in your life? How many of you want to experience that in your life? Those are the fruit of the Spirit. That's what happened when the Holy Spirit begins to affect your mind, will, and emotions. It's very powerful. My depression left instantly when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit went from just here in my heart to up here in my emotions, up here in my thinking, up here in my choices, my will, that emotions, feeling, love, joy, and peace, my thinking to be gentle, to be good, and to be faithful, and then my doing, you know, my will, which would be to uh, be patient, self-controlled, and have meekness. There's something that takes place. It's, it's very powerful. The Holy Spirit wants to fulfill every area of your life. He wants there to be a witness on the outside for loss, but he wants there to be a witness on the inside that you have this joy. He wants to have a witness on the inside that I can start controlling myself now. I can start doing good things to other people. How many of you know that's a great witness when you start seeing your life change and you start acting, feeling, and doing differently? When you start thinking differently. When these fruit begin to emerge in your life and all of a sudden your life becomes very different. And so I think I, I don't want to be those who have idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murder. How many of you feel like these fruit of the Spirit are a whole lot nicer way to laugh? Amen. Amen. There's an internal and an external witness. There is an invading of your soul when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Bible says, and be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit? See, over in John, I'm going to read. But let's turn there real quickly. We're just about done. I hope I'm not boring you today. But these things are important. These things we've got to understand uh, can be life-changing and the fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit because all of it's based in love. And you'll know them by their love, it says in another place. And that's at the top of the list of the fruit. And that's what really governs all the other fruit is the love of God. But John 15, 1 through 7, says some very interesting things. And it talks about uh, Jesus said, I'm the, uh, I'm the true vine or the trunk of the tree because he was talking about vineyards and grapes. But there is like a trunk to a a vine, and I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, and every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I'll abide, excuse me, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. How many of you know you and I can't bear any fruit by ourselves? We can't have love, joy, and peace. We can't have uh, self-control, goodness, and faithfulness. We can't have uh, temperance. We can't have all these things, these wonderful fruit. We can only get them from the Lord. We can try to do that, but we'll fail eventually. 
Abide in me and I will abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in me. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Wow. So what does that mean? The fruit of the Spirit aren't the fruit of just the Holy Spirit. They're the fruit of our born-again spirit. We get changed when the Holy Spirit comes into us. Because you know what? We are the branch. He is the trunk or the vine. Where does the fruit grow? Does it grow on the trunk of the tree or does it grow out on the branches? And he said, we're the branches. And we're the ones that have fruit. But because we're connected to the tree, Jesus is the tree. The Holy Spirit is the one that we're Siamese twins with. He's the one that we've been made one spirit with. And he comes in and he engrafts into us a whole different nature. And we start to produce different fruit. You take two trees and you engraft one tree with another tree, you'll produce a hybrid fruit. You take one type of pear and add another type of pear, and you try to achieve a superior hybrid vigor. And you take these two fruit and you engraft one where you take a branch and you engraft it into that tree. This is how they... Uh, change the genetics of trees. This is how they create hybrids and crossbred in trees and in horticulture. They engraft a branch onto a tree, and then because it pulls the sap out of the tree, somehow the DNA gets changed, and the host branch produces fruit that resembles the tree. I mean, the host tree produces the fruit through the branch that resembles itself, and you get a hybrid, and you get a different type. See, we get connected to the Lord, and we start producing a different type of fruit. That's a powerful thing. And when we understand that, then we can understand how the fruit of the Spirit, and Jesus tells us how that that happens, because we're a new creation. Ephesians 4, I'm going to finish with this verse. It's very important that we understand that comes from both the Spirit and the Word. The way that you're going to produce that fruit in your life, the way that you're going to experience that fruit, that love, joy, and peace, that self-control, that gentleness, that goodness, that faithfulness, uh, that meekness, all these fruit, the way that you're going to have to do is understanding that it's only by the Spirit and the Word. You know, we get born again by the Spirit and the Word. You know, when you get baptized in the Spirit, it says, and now these words that Paul, Peter had spoken unto them, and it says the Word was spoken, and while he was yet speaking the Word, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And then they were baptized in the Spirit. But we're going to look at something real quickly here. And as you look back over there in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and I'm just about done, we can see that there's two things that we need to do as believers that will change our fruit and begin to produce uh, that desired effect. Ephesians 4. And in verse 23, it says, it says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We're going to have to renew our mind. We can't... We can't have a change in our lives without the Word. We renew our mind with the Word of God. That is how we re that's how we take on a new mind. That's how we cleanse our mind. David said, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by giving heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He cleansed himself with the Word. The Word will come in and it says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Then he goes on and he says that you can put on the new man. Everybody say put on. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit, you know, he says, be ye being filled in Ephesians 5.18. Keep being refilled with the Holy Spirit. Part of that's through the word. Part of it's through praying, through laying hands on people. There's different ways, praise and worship. There's a lot of ways that we get refilled with the Spirit as believers. And it says, and put on the new man which is after God created in righteousness and true holiness. That means that experience that happened on the inside of you, that new man that has joy on the inside, that new man that has love on the inside, that has self-control on the inside, that has meekness on the inside, that has gentleness and goodness on the inside, you're going to have to, by being filled with the Spirit and getting that upon you, those fruit will start manifesting on the outside. And then it goes on after it says, be renewed. And so he addresses the mind needs to be renewed. He addresses the Holy Spirit that's in you. And he says, put on the new man. You know, you got to remember that new man has the Holy Spirit living in it. Your born again spirit has the Holy Spirit. You're, you're a Siamese. And so when you put on the inward man, you're really putting on 
the Holy Spirit on the outside. And so it said, put on the inward man, the new man, which after God is created in true righteousness and holiness. You know, if you'll just put on that which is on the inside of you, if, if I walk up to my friend and I've got love on the inside and I've got joy on the inside, I'm going to put it on the outside. I'm going to ask God, fill me with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to start taking that love that's on the inside, and I'm going to start expressing it to somebody on the outside. See, when we put that on, that's how the baptism of the Holy Spirit causes us, where we have the Holy Spirit filling us and overflowing out of us. And there's fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, in that spirit that's coming up on the inside, that spirit that's overflowing on the outside, that spirit that's flowing out from us as rivers of living water out of our belly because that spirit has the nine fruit in it. And that fruit begins to be expressed not only in us for love, joy, and peace, but out of us to gentleness and goodness and faithfulness to others and also in controlling our flesh. In other words, it takes care of everything, ourselves, others, and putting our flesh under. And that is the fruit of the Spirit that God has for you. How many of you want the fruit of the Spirit in your lives today? Amen. I believe this, that we need to continually in our lives reaffirm in our mind, I'm a new creature. I'm born again. I am righteous on the inside. Let me, let me read it again. And put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I need to reaffirm to myself all the time that when I got born again, on the inside, I became righteous. I became holy. And then I need to reaffirm to myself that I can be being filled with the Holy Spirit. I can have the Spirit upon me. I can ask God, believe, and receive, and confess, and start having the Holy Spirit fill me up, reside upon me. You know, the Spirit rested upon Jesus. The Spirit is called to rest upon. I can have that same righteous hope, that same Spirit that's got all this good fruit. If I'm cranky to others, I must be a little low on the Spirit. If I start operating in the flesh and I start getting into strife, I start hearing things come out of my mouth, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're evil. It just means that you're a little low on the Holy Spirit and you need a refilling. And when you start getting filled, it starts to refill your mind again. And then that righteousness starts affecting the way you think, the way you talk, the way you interact outwardly. And now it went from your spirit, it's up in your soul, man, in your mind, your will. And all of a sudden, now I've got joy in my mind. Now I've got peace in my mind. I've got love in my mind. It isn't just in my spirit. Now it's in my mind. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so I'll always act out what's in my mind. You'll speak out what's in your mind eventually. And so when I'm filled, those fruit start coming out. There's a direct connection between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and having the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you have those fruit in there as a saved person, and it's a little bit harder, but that's the fruit of the Spirit. And you have love, joy, and peace in your heart, but you know, it's one thing to have it in your heart. It's another thing to have it in all of your expression outwardly. It's another thing to have it in your heart. It's another thing to be filled with that spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and kindness, and, and, and all these good things. How many of you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today? Amen. I believe this. I'm going to be talking about filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, probably uh, the next several weeks, uh, in the, probably the Sunday morning and the Wednesday night. And I believe God's wanting this church to be more spirit-filled. I believe God's wanting to, be this, want, wanting to see this church become more of a witness with spirit-empowered with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How many want to experience the supernatural power of God? in your lives. How many of you know that the Bible says if we will earnestly desire those things that God will give it to us? Amen. Well, today is just an introductory thing to, to make a clear distinction between what does it mean to be born of the Spirit? What does it mean to be baptized in the Spirit? And what does it mean to be bearing the fruit of the Spirit? And when we understand that, then we can more intelligently seek and understand what it is that we are uh, crying out to God for. Let's stand up and let's be dismissed.